All right, excellent. Well, I would like to welcome you to this recorded session that uh, will be provided as a resource to those who attended the data management best practices trainings, as well as a resource for those who are interested in learning more about how to analyze data using Excel. And again, this will be a recorded session uh, and we will try to make it as interactive as possible with questions for your review and use, as well as examples and uh, demonstrations with the tools. And with that, I will turn it back to Tracy, Daryl, and Barb. Hey, thank you, Megan, um, for introducing that. Um, Yes, Daryl, if you want to get started on the formula glossary, that would be great. Yep, thanks, Tracy. Um, so we had the original um, formula glossary for common Excel uh, practices and, and functions. Um, I went through and made a few additions. Um, so I will share my screen. And we'll take a look at those. Hi, Judy. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Judy. We're just starting. Oh, great. I'm sorry I'm late. All is well. Um, so, yeah, I was just making mention that we had the original uh, Excel uh, formula and function glossary uh, during our in-person training. Uh, I went back and made some additions to that specifically for um, reporting and data cleaning, which is a big topic of conversation. Um, we, we can't properly analyze any data uh, for reporting purposes or for applying for funding or things like that um, unless the data is clean and usable um, to manipulate as we need it to. Um, so I would like to take a few minutes to go through uh, some of the new formulas, um, maybe answer some questions that you guys have on uh, old formulas, um, or things that we may not even include that you have questions on. Um, everything is kind of an open book for us. Um, so I would probably start with, with just asking, is, <clears throat> is there something that you're aware of that um, you need or would be interested in that kind of shortcut um, or would like to learn how to use to incorporate into your data. I've seen the presentation a few times on pivot tables, but it hasn't gotten into my brain yet. Is that what you're asking? Like what we're interested in learning or are you asking something else? Yeah, I want to see it just because it's not part of what I've prepared today doesn't mean that we can't uh, talk about it, and even if one of our group doesn't know the answer, uh, we can certainly do that research and get back to you. Um, so okay. yeah, just let us know. Thank you. 
Right. So I made a note for pivot tables. <laughs> and we're definitely for... planning to cover cover that too. Pivot later. tables are definitely on the agenda, yes. <laughs> um then just to make sure everyone does see my screen that has the, the formula glossary on it. When when I've got multiple screens up, sometimes I show the wrong one. I have a bad habit of that. So um so I'm going to kind of go through uh, the formulas and why they are necessary. And then I have created some examples through the proxy data set um, that we've been using for the majority of our information um, just to kind of go through and show you how those things are put into practice. Um, so we'll start with, um, whoops. Um, again, cleaning data. Data cleaning is the process of fixing or removing um, internal, uh, incorrect, corrupted, or incorrectly formatted or incomplete data. Uh, so when we combine multiple data sources, um, such as importing um, information from outside sources or third-party uh, worksheets, um, there is more than a minimal chance that some of that data may not come over in the format that we need to um, make it unique and make it our own. So uh, we have some tips and tricks and simple um, little gadgets to help us get through um, some of these formulas. And so the first one is um, removing duplicates and I will also pull up the proxy data set um, and just have that on the back burner. Virtual training, there we go. Um, so removing duplicates is um, a simple way to sort of pare down the information you have. Um, for instance, if in our proxy data set, we have a bunch of different customer IDs um, who have all experienced um, services through this generic organization over the course of a calendar year. And over that time, we had um, just short of 100 different services provided, um, or just over 100. So if if we wanted to pare that down and just kind of see how many unique individuals we had for that um, that time frame, we can easily do that um, through Excel. Um, so for instance, if we look in our customer ID uh, column, which has each of the individual identifications for uh, our clientele, um, we can simply go to um, the toolbar, which will be under data. And under data, we have removing duplicates. So I've highlighted the entire column, which is not going to work for that because it's also going to capture the, the column label. Um, so what we'll do is we'll just go back through and highlight the customer IDs. And then your option doesn't show up in gray anymore, which means you can actually do it. So if we click on remove duplicates, 
Um, it'll actually ask if we want to do that for any and all of the columns that we have here. Um, for right now, we're only interested in the customer ID. So we'll unselect all just because there's multiple columns here and then just click on customer ID. And then we'll click OK and it'll let us know uh, through this little pop up that 86 duplicates were found and removed um, and how many unique values remain. So if we do that, we see that our uh, 109 um, rows of information has been pared down to uh, 23. Um, of course, this is some some other information that we're going to be using later. But if you highlight the cells again, you can see down here in the bottom, the count is 23. So we had 23 individual uh, clients serviced through that calendar year. Um, again, you could do that for any of the columns where you feel like you're going to have um, dupl duplicative data. Uh, you may want may not want to do it for things like marital status and unemployed because you pretty much know uh, what your category of answers are going to be. So uh, any questions on that before I move on to the next one? And please speak up because I'm sharing my screen and I can't see everybody's faces. All right, so the next thing is uh, parsing our data uh, from text to column. So doing this is a quick way for um, for us to separate conjoined data, uh, which might be addresses um, into separate columns for manipulation. Um, so that was the bottom here that I just kind of sneak previewed for you guys when we did the um, the removing duplicates and I'll undo that so that we can get everybody back up again. So for text to column, we, we may be importing data that has addresses put together like this. Um, typical form, uh, 124 Front Street, Springfield, Virginia. Um, we may also have names joined like this, and we've already talked about um, concatenating, which is a way to uh, combine um, data from multiple columns into one. Um, so it would combine separate columns that might have John, then Smith, uh, into John Smith. So, uh, but for this, we're looking to uh, separate those. So if we click on our address here, uh, 124 Front Street, and we go into, uh, we're still on our data tab up here, um, and under data tools, there's also uh, right next door to remove duplicates, the option for text to columns. So if you highlight that, it's going to give you another pop-up box. Um, this will ask you if there's um, a fit fixed width with your data, meaning that there's just spaces in between, um, or if it's delimited, meaning that there are commas or, or tabs or backslashes, um, hyphens, other things like that that are separating your data. So I'm going to give you an example of both. Um, for the address, um, we're just using fixed width, so everything in here is just data, um, doesn't have um, commas or any other special characters. So we're going to leave that clicked, then we would click on the next button, and then it shows us how the information would show up if we do convert this to a column. Um, so in 
its default would be to separate each of these different data entries into a different column, but we don't really want that with uh, an address um, because we usually keep the, the street together. We can keep the city and state together, and we can keep the zip code separate. So if we want to fix this, we can easily do that by double-clicking these little lines that will remove them as column options. So we removed that first one, so now we have 124 front that would be in its own column. Well, that's not quite enough, so we will do the same thing with street, and then it would show 124 front street, and then we can do a separate column for city and state and zip. Um, so once you have that, how you want it to show up in columns, you can click the next button, and this will tell you how your um, columns will be formatted from that point. So you can you can format it just generally. You can format it specifically as dates. So if you're using um, time data, uh, you can certainly use date here. Um, but we're just using general text, so we're going to leave that at general, and we're going to see if we get our address to pop up. And there we go. So we have four separate columns that have split off from our uh, one data entry that had an address. Um, so now you got 124 Front Street and Springfield and the zip code, and you could copy and paste this down if you had an entire list of these addresses um, so that you can maybe look at how many of your clients came from Springfield, um, how many came from a certain area in Springfield, um, whatever you need to, to make that data um, work for you. So, the second way we can do that is through the, the delimiter. So in the case where we have names conjoined, like John Smith and Sam Jones, we can highlight those two cells again. And again, that could be one cell, it could be 100 cells. It, it's however much you need it to, uh, to work with. And we would again text, uh, click on our text to column. And it kind of knows what's going on because Excel is fairly smart. Um, and, and it knows that we're looking at delimited data because there's a comma in between last name and first. Um, so we don't need to change that. But if you were removing that and it didn't show up for some reason, you may need to click off of fixed width back to delimited. Um, so we would go to next. And this shows up a little differently on this tab where you can actually pick the delimiters that you're, you're removing. So in the case of the cells that I've highlighted, there are two non-text characters that are here. There's a, a comma, and then there's a space between the comma and the beginning of the first name. So we're going to leave those two checked. Uh, but if there were tabs in between those that you wanted to remove, you could click here, or semicolons, or others like hyphens or backslashes. So it shows you what the data is going to look like, um, that you're going to have a column specifically for last name and one for first name. We can click next. Again, this is going to be general data. We're not working with uh, finances or dates at this point. So that looks good. We click finish. Really all it does is pop, pop over the first names into a different column. So you could create a new column, put in a new column header saying last name, next one says first name, bada bing, you can go through the rest. All right. Any questions on that one? Um, does anyone want to try some of these? Or are you familiar with the ones he's gone over so far? I don't need to try them. I, I'm 
I'm learning. I haven't done them before, but I am glad to know that they exist. <laughs> For me, like it helps to like click and actually do them. So you guys do have the proxy data set in the chat. So um, you can go ahead and follow along. And again, I mean, we are recording this, but we're all kind of learning and, and practicing together. And that's how um, we want the session to go. So if it if if it would help you to learn by trying it, um, that would be great too. Yeah, and if I say too much or ramble on a little bit, please stop me. Um, I'm just kind of going through these as I know them. Uh, I mentioned during our first training, um, I know my way through Excel. Um, there are a lot more ways to get results than just one for many things in Excel. Uh, so the way that I have learned or adapted to learn to use this is my way. Um, you may practice this and see that another way works for you. Um, particularly if we use functions, um, a lot of the functions we'll look at here in a little bit can also be done just by using some of the predetermined tabs. Um, and if that's easier for you, then by all means do it. Um, I just intending to show uh, how formulas and functions can be used to get the data to where you want it if you so choose. Um, but whatever way works for you, as long as it gets accurate um, results is all good. Uh, so the next thing is controlling formatting. Uh, this is very important. A lot of times if we're importing data from outside sources, it comes through in that site or that software's own specific formatting, which may not match what we're looking for. Um, so we can very simply control that formatting by um, adding things or reduce or eliminating things. Typically you wanna take things down to as basic as possible and then sort of add what you need to it from there. Um, so if we look at that, and I am. That would be column F here will be for our uh, example, and this would be date of birth. So if if we were importing uh, or if we were exporting our data from the county to our nonprofit partners and it showed up like this with the dates kind of formatted like this, which is. Um, this format actually shows who has the more recent birthdays and who has the older birthdays. So the greener the text here, the more recent the birthday, it will show you that these are your younger clientele. And the closer it gets to red, um, it would be the older um, clientele. Um, but we don't need this. This is not necessarily how we are looking to manipulate that data. Um, so we just want to get rid of it. So on our ribbon up here, we'd go back to home. Um, very convenient here in the middle under styles is conditional formatting. And you can see uh, there's a lot of options here for how you want to fill out scales. So what we did here was just use color scales. And this it'll if you hover over each of these options, it'll kind of show you uh, or tell you what the options are there. So it tells us that this applies a color gradient uh, that indicates where each of the values in the cells fall within a range. So in the case of our age here, um, the 
oldest person who is a client during this time frame would be in red and the youngest would be in green. Um, but we can change that. So we d don't necessarily have to do red to green. We can uh, change it up by whatever suits our purposes. So in this case, like I said, we're just gonna gonna clear this formatting. So we'll highlight this column and we'll go back up to conditional formatting. And you see down here, you can clear rules. So if you want to clear rules from these cells, um, you can just do that. If there are other cells that you wanna leave certain formatting in, you can leave those alone. Uh, if you want to remove all the formatting from the entire sheet, this is where you would do it. Um, or from this table, which since we formatted this um, worksheet as a table is pretty much the same thing. It's the same as the entire sheet. But we're just going to do the selected cell since we highlighted column F. And if we do that, it simply takes away the formatting. So everything's in here in its purest form. Now we can format it how we want to um, or not. We can leave it uh, plain and basic. Uh, any questions there? Daryl, maybe the next one, either Courtney or Judy can share their screen and, and try it in the proxy data set and you can oh. talk them through it. Okay. <laughs> so It'll be fun. I All right, I, I can will, do it too. If <laughs> I will stop sharing my screen and okay. welcome anybody else to share theirs. Uh, the next one we would be looking at is using the functions upper, lower, and proper. Uh, which changes the punctuation of data that we have. So I don't know, Tracy, are you going to pick on someone or how are you going to do this? I'm going to wait for them to like jump up excitedly. <laughs> and then if not, I will do it. <laughs> Anyone? Okay, Courtney, do you want to give it a try? All right. <laughs> there you go. Let's see. Okay, so you nice. guys see my screen, right? All right. So what are we doing, Daryl? Ah. So the the next um, portion of our glossary is using the upper, lower, and proper um, functions. Okay. So upper, lower, and proper are ways that we can manipulate our data to be all uppercase all lowercase or proper, meaning capitalized first letter and the rest lowercase. Uh, so in this case, we used uh, column H, which is our marital status. And you can see that the information we put in here is all capitalized, which is great. If that's how we want it, that's fine. Um, if we want it more properly, then the, the first letter would be capitalized and the rest would be um, lowercase. So we want to put in the function that will allow us to um, do that. So before you highlight that that column, sorry, okay. I should have stopped you beforehand. Go back up top. And click on uh, column I. And now right click. And insert. All right, so now we have a, a clean column that we can work with. Okay. So 
if you go down to I2, so column I, row 2, and just click in there, you'll type in an equal sign. Equals is how we always start our formulas and functions. Um, then start typing PRO. All right, so you see over here on the left, it actually gives you some hints as to what you're trying to put in. So you can go down to the third one and click on proper. And if you double click it, it will put it in there. And it opens up your um, parentheses as well. So we're looking to provide the proper um, uh, name for the marital status. So we can click on cell H2 to let it know that that's what we want. And you could go back over to I2 and close your parentheses. Um, but if you want to click back into I2, you'll see that it already does it and then you can just press enter and you see that it has changed uh, divorced from all caps to capital d the rest lowercase so if you click back into i2 again and yep you see that you you don't have to click and drag you can certainly do that um, but if you just hold it on to i2 right in that corner and double click it will do it seconds saved seconds add up to minutes which add up to hours oh, that's awesome. magic i didn't know that trick <laughs> i know you're a magician <laughs> what else do you got so, so you can see that that information goes all the way down now um and if you want to see how it works the other way uh go back up to i2 again click in there now, see what you would do if you wanted to make it upper. See if you could figure that out. Yep, if you double click it, it'll actually put it in there. Yep. There you go. Cool. So so it'll get it back to all capitalized if you want to highlight or make certain data stand out. And the same thing would be for lower. You would just put in lower and H2 and it would make divorced all lowercase. Just. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's actually a good thing. Um, if. if if you mm -hmm. hover on those formulas, yeah. it will actually take you to help. Uh, Excel has a very, very nice help function. Uh, if you're confused on certain things or just want some more information, it will pull those up. So if, yep. Oh, yeah, look at that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Doesn't come in my voice, though. You have to read it. So <laughs> oh, that's the deal breaker. <laughs> <laughs> it's out, Courtney. <laughs> Excellent. Um, that's pretty much it for that one. Um, Judy, do you have any have any questions? We still good to go? All right. Um, so the next one is trimming. Uh, trimming is the ability to remove extra or unwanted spaces or tabs that comes in information. Um, so I'll share my screen again. All right. 
And I believe what I used here was column P. So if we get um, data that comes in that has multiple points of entry, um, a lot of times it will come in with spaces or tabs or may even be on separate lines. Uh, so for this case, um, our first individual here uh, receives TANF, uh, is on Medicaid, also receives unemployment benefits. Second person receives SNAP benefits, so on and so forth. So if we wanted to trim all that down to make it more uniform for manipulation, we would kind of do the same things that we've been doing. So again, we'll right click in column uh, OPQ and insert to get us a clean column. And we would highlight the first cell here, which in this case is Q2. And then we would enter the trim formula, which as Courtney has showed us, we can just start with an equal sign because, you know, I know what I'm doing too. Start by typing TRI. We see that trim comes up as our primary option. We can double click it to make it the function that we're using. We're looking at trimming um, P2 and we can press enter from there. And look here, it does it all the way down and we don't even have to double click it. So Excel is smart enough to know that we wanted to trim everything from column P into column Q. So it keeps I have a question. Yes. I don't see the difference between the two columns. Okay. So in column P2, there is a large space tab okay. Okay. between TANF and Medicaid. Yeah. And there's another space between Medicaid and unemployment. This okay. takes out those spaces. Okay, thank you. So if we if we resize our column, it'll actually show you that that all those spaces are removed. Okay, thank and you. And it did it all the way down. So anything that had an unnecessary space, it now just shows up as it would normally look. But good question. Thank you. Um, and that's that's trim in a nutshell. That it it really just takes care of your um, extraneous spaces and tabs. Um, we've got our clean function. Clean is a function that uh, will remove any non-printable characters that we have. So sometimes you'll see data that comes over and it has uh, weird little shapes or weird little glyphs. So here we go. There's one for you. Got a smiley face. Well, that looks neat, but we don't necessarily want a smiley face in our data. So uh, we can use the clean function, um, which we really would just do the same thing. We would um, open up a new uh, column. We would type in the clean function, which would be CLE, and double double click. We would double click on our um, target cell and press enter, and it would remove these things that um, would not print. So just so you know, if you press alt um, and an, any number between one and 31, you can get in some of these weird characters to show up. And there's a way to insert these symbols through uh, the toolbar as well. But just just giving you a, a quick tip if you want to do some fun things. Um, our next thing is value. 
Um, so value is the function we would use to convert uh, imported data that was intended to be numbers, but not might not come over as numbers back into their intended uh, format. So for this, oh yeah, see I have some weird functions there. For this I used column uh, AC, which is our service dollars received. So obviously if we're looking at service dollars, this was supposed to be dollar amounts. So we would want this to show up as dollar amounts. Now, a neat tip here uh, to remember is that when you're entering data into Excel, if it's text data, it will always align to the left. So you see that anything that's in, in your worksheet as text will show up to the left. If it shows up, if it is intended to be uh, numerical, it will show up to the right. So we'll go back over here to like our zip codes. Uh, zip codes are in indicated as numbers, um, so they are aligned to the right. So we can see, if we didn't already know that we're looking for dollars here, that 300, 120, 150, and so on are aligned to the left. So they didn't come over as numbers like we wanted them to, and we need to make that happen. So what we would do is, oops, we'll insert a new column again so that we can just have some clear space to, to work with things. Um, we'll start by typing in our value formula. So equals VAL. We can double click to make that the formula we're working with. We want to do uh, AC number two and then press enter. And it didn't work. Um, so why didn't it work? So if we look back in here again, we still show that it show we still see that under our format it showed up as text. So we can switch this to currency or we could switch this to accounting. And now it will show up like we want it to. So it still tried to send it over as text, which was bad but we can switch that to whatever we want it to to make it work for us. We could do that with, with dates and fractions and things as well. So since we did it as accounting, it'll put up our dollar signs and our decimal points too. Um, and if depending on what kind of information you're using, you can always increase or decrease your decimal places. Um, so if you don't want any... Um, Anything after a decimal place, you can click on this uh, little right arrow up here and get get as many as few as zero, or you can go up to a lot <laughs> of different decimal places. But since we're using dollars, usually we dollars and cents is good enough for us. And I just wanted to interject and say that some um, functions won't work with um text columns and, and some things won't work with text columns when you're um, trying to analyze your data and manipulate it. So as you're cleaning, um, um, and thank you, Daryl, for including this in your sheet, as you're cleaning, one of the most important things that you could do is look to make sure that your cells are formatted um, correctly, um, especially the um, number of columns. A very good point, Tracy. <clears throat> um, so we're all the way down to our substitute function. 
Um, substitute will replace existing text with the new text and a text string. And that's the word text a lot of times in a row, and I apologize for that. Um, but that's the simplest way to say that that's what we're using uh, this function for. So as a way to demonstrate, um, we'll go back into our proxy data set. And for this example, we're looking at column W, which is phone numbers. Um, so we see, at least for the first couple here, uh, phone numbers came over with uh, backslashes uh, in between um, the area code and the numbers. Um, we want to make it look more traditional. Um, that just have dashes between phone numbers, and you could do this the opposite way too. If it were uh, dashes and you wanted to make it uh, slashes or however else you wanted to separate your information, we could certainly do that. So we'll create a new column again, and this one is a little more complex than some of the others. So um, we'll take our time with this one and make sure that we've we get what we're looking for. So the first thing we'll do, as we always do, is type in our equal sign, and we're going to look for the substitute function, which is what pops up here. So we'll double click. Now that it's all in caps and shows our beginning parentheses, we know we're ready to go. And if you hover on this, like we saw when Courtney was doing hers, it'll show you exactly what's needed to complete this function. So again, you could click on this if you wanted help with it, um, or if you hover over it, it'll just show you what you're looking for. So we need to put in the text that we're looking uh, to manipulate. We're looking at what we are changing from and what we are changing to. So in this case, we will be manipulating uh, W2, which is phone number. Uh, we won't just close our parentheses at this point because we need to add more information here. So to do that, we'll type in a column, no spaces. So we need to put in the old text, what we want to change. So we would open up a, a quotation mark. Let me get my, my cursor out of the way. We are changing from a backslash. Again, no spaces. Close your parentheses. Another column, or another comma, excuse me. Open your quotations again, and we want to change it to a dash or a hyphen. We'll close our quotation marks again. So we're saying we would like to substitute our phone number information that currently has a backslash in between the characters uh, into a hyphen. Okay, so that's the that's the the language that is being conversed here in Excel. So let's try to close our parentheses here. And voila, look what came up. 349-122-5853 is now in there as a traditional phone. So if we wanted to do just the opposite, let's go ahead and open a new column. So we'll, we'll do equals substitute. And we'll do phone number again we're gonna we're gonna manipulate this comma we need to know where we're going to manipulate from so we put in a quotation mark a hyphen close quotation mark comma what we're going to change it to what we want it to look like quotation mark backslash 
quotation mark. Close your parentheses. You always have to have a parentheses at the beginning and the end. And sometimes if you're combining multiple functions, you may have four or five different sets of parentheses. So just pay attention. We're not going to get that complicated today. Um, but if we press enter, then everything goes back in there as a as a backslash. Any questions there? All right. Uh, the last one we're going to go over with as far as our glossary is manipulating our day, month, and year. Um, so we can have our information pulled out any way we want as far as dates. Um, and there's a couple different ways to do this. Um, so we see date of births are entered here. Uh, 2-16-1983 for Mr. Smith. Um, we can have that show up how we want just by going to our uh, formatting. Um, we can change it to short date or if we want to look at different kinds of dates. That'll put in the long date. Um, or you can manipulate it however you want. So if you were to open up uh, more number formats here at the bottom, you get a lot of different options for general accounting, time, anything you want to do. But for this case, dates, we can have it show up with the month and backslashes, the date, backslash, and the year. We can have it show up completely written out. We can have just the day and the month. Uh, we can have the year is in two digits. Uh, there's a lot of different ways we can do it. You can see this scrolls down and down. So generally speaking, we do simple like this. Um, however, if we wanted to just extrapolate uh, the month or the actual date for manipulation, so you wanted to see uh, how many clients you served in the month of February. So you could go over here and insert a new column. And I think I know how to do this. We would do equals. We would be looking at month. All right. We would double click that. We're looking to pull the month out of this. Oh, wait. I did do it wrong. So we're looking to manipulate um, column F which has this, but we need to tell it how we want it. So we'll put in a comma. We'll open our parentheses again. This is this neat little thing at the bottom of um, your glossary is Excel will show you what you want based on how many characters you put in. So if you were looking for the month and you just put in one M, um, it will show you the month without a leading zero. So like for the month of January, it would just have one. Two M's would mean you get both digits, so zero, one. If you put in three M's, you'll get the, the shortened form of the month. If you put in four M's, you would get the, um, the entire month. And all the way up to five M's, which would just get you the first letter, um, which may not help you if you're using months like January, June, and July, because there are multiple months that start with that. But you can do the same thing for days. Um, 1D would be days without a leading number. 2Ds would be with a leading number, um, which would put a zero in, in front of single digit numbers. Um, 3Ds would give you the shortened day. 4Ds would give you the long day. 
Uh, same thing with year. You, two two Ys would give you the short uh, year, and four Ys would give you the long year. So if we go back into our proxy data set, and remember we're looking for month, we're looking for the date of birth column to change, um, and we're going to tell it what we want. So we open up our quotation marks to see what we want. We're going to do four M's. Um, and before I press enter, I want who can tell me what this is going to show me. Going to show me nothing. Going to be an error. What's mm -hmm. going to show me, Tracy? A full month. A full month? Let's see. What did I do? I understand. I'll start again. Well, it's supposed to do it. I don't know mm -hmm. what happened. You did have the correct answer. This is supposed to be full month. Maybe because it's caps and it should be smaller, lowercase. Yeah, that shouldn't matter, but let's let's test that. It says I've entered too many arguments, which means I've got too many parentheses, but I don't. Date of birth. You have an extra one right there. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, this worked for me in practice, so we're going to. Don't give up. I'm not giving up. <laughs> I'm very hard headed. <laughs> All right. Does it does the format of your cell need to change? Is it a date format in G? So text or um, or general. So it pulled out the month. It just is two. Maybe that was. No, I don't know. Uh, it's supposed to work. When we're talking about some other things, I'll figure it out and we'll come back to it. I apologize. Uh, Excel doesn't work perfectly and neither do I. So, um, But that is the bulk of our additional glossary um, forms. Um, I did want to take just a second um, for anyone to ask any questions on the original glossary forms. Um, so that includes things like sum, sum if, count if, any of those um, functions. Was everyone able to practice those? Did anybody have any questions on how to use those uh, before we move on to some of our practice problems? Can you remind me the count if one? Yeah, uh, Tracy, will you share your screen? I don't have the combined version up right now. Sure. 
Um, so let me stop. Oh, it's also in the chat. The combined version is in the chat, but I can share my screen. Yes, it is. I'll just share the whole. So count if and that um some of the count if ones are were for the answers from the homework too. We used uh, count if for those. Um, you want to enlarge that a little bit, Tracy? Sure. So um, I guess I could show in the proxy data set or Judy, if you want to um, try and we can talk you through it or I can show and then maybe Judy, you can um, try. So um, say for the marital status column, I wanted to count all of the single people that were helping. I'm just going to make a new tab. Copy the marital status column. Daryl, if I do something wrong, <laughs> please. Nope. Uh, please help me out here. So you got equals, it. Um, count if. So I'm going to click on the count if formula and then it tells me um, what to do. So this is going to count everything within a certain range um, that meets a criteria. Uh, so we'll type in um, single there. So I'm going to highlight the whole column. I don't have any Daryl magic that won't um, force me to do that. And then I don't press enter here because the next thing in the argument was to put a comma after that. And then whatever we would like to count, um, we'll put in quotes. So we're doing count if and single. And then if I'm working with a much bigger file or um, answers with specific choices, I might go ahead and copy and paste the answer choice just in case I have any like uh, different ways of spelling or, or typos or anything. So now we can see that um, we're going to count the single uh, people. We close the quotations and close the parentheses and hit enter. So that counted that there were uh, 33, and I didn't dedupe it first, so it's not a unique, <laughs> uh, unique identified, but there were 33 um, single people out of the 100 and, and something um, that were served. Um, Judy, would you like to share your screen and, and try that one? Sure, sure, okay. sure. Um, <laughs> So I need to share. I, I don't usually use Microsoft Teams. So how do you? Oh, I see it. And then I need to find it. Even though the pandemic was like so many years ago, I still every time uh, every virtual platform is different. So um, how do I? Oh, I think I have to. OK, just give me a second. Sure. Um, I have it open, but I didn't actually save it. 
Um, I just opened it from the email and it appears that does not like that. Um, share. There we come. Can you see it? Oh, no. it says. It says you don't have access. Oh, I can see it. It says I'm presenting. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. Let me try something else. Okay. <laughs> Uh, how do I, let's see, sure, computer, or, um, I can either Daryl or I can share our screen again, and you can talk through what you're doing, um, and then that would be on the screen that way. Can you see it now? No. No, it says the same thing. Okay, I can t I can I can verbally uh, do it if you share your screen. Okay. Um, do you, should we count the married people now? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> okay. So you do equal sound equal okay. sign. Uh, count if, and then you do the parentheses, and then <laughs> you do. You copy married, uh, right? I think so. If you look here, range is and uh, range is the first thing that it's telling us to do. So we want to see show which cells. Um, oh yeah, that's right. So, yeah, it, so you copied them all. You're right. Let's see if this works. Okay. And then uh, after that, you put a comma and a space, and then mm -hmm. put married. And then and uh, parentheses. Okay. Well, thirty-four. Yay! Thank you. Uh huh. <laughs> and don't don't forget your quotation marks. That's very important. Um, also, you don't need to put the space there. Um, if it'll work either way. Um, but Excel does not require there to be a space there. So. Oh, okay. But good job. Yay. Thanks. <laughs> And yeah, as Tracy said, this um, our count and count if functions did come up in the homework uh, questions. Um, Tracy, did you want to take a couple minutes break before we jump into the practice questions, or how do you want to proceed? So, um, how do you guys feel, Courtney and Judy? Do you feel like you need a, a stretch break? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes, okay. If you if you guys do it, it's fine. <laughs> no, I'm good. It's nice yeah. and air conditioned here. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but it, it'll work. <laughs> All right. Um. So, did anybody actually do the homework? No. It's Everybody okay. says no. All right. So we'll <laughs> we'll go through it. Um, and we'll show you um, some of the skills we were trying to incorporate uh, with these questions. Um, Tracy, did you want to 
show your stuff first and then have me go through it or vice versa? Um, yeah, I could I could show mine first. Um, I, I kind of would like to see what you guys would have come up with, too. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So, um, yeah, I, do you, are one of you like brave enough to to try it first, and then um, Daryl or I can show what we would have done? I will. I haven't okay. read the questions, and I don't know what you're talking about, but I'll try it. <laughs> okay. So these so. are the questions. And I put the first one in the chat. So, um, and Daryl made really good questions. I think that show a variety of um, the functions that he's already gone over. So, um, I would like to compare services received by clients. Okay. Yeah, I could so, read the, the whole thing out loud for the recording, I guess. I would like to compare services received by clients to their gender identity and marital status. Create a pivot table that will show analysis of this data. Please include a visual representation depicting females who received rent and or utility assistance. Judy, I really hope you're able to, to share your screen now that you were like brave enough to. Uh, oh, I don't. Let's see. Let's see. And then if not, you can just talk one of us through it again. It says, oh, unlock now. I'm unlocking something that said unlock now. No. Okay. Because it does say share anyway. And I, I don't know if you can see it or not. I can see it. No, but um, why don't you talk one of us through? Um, Courtney, can, we can volunteer, Courtney. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Courtney. All right. I'll do it. I don't know how to do it. So it's I don't really either, crazy. but I, try. Help you, so. I could okay. do some of the other stuff, but a pivot table. I don't know. All right. All right. Let's let's have Courtney try. So we are using the, in, can you guys see it? Yes. Mm -hmm. okay. Yes. So the um, intake data and it was the gender identity. And I don't know. And marital status. And marital status. Okay. Yeah, I don't know how to do it. So it's columns. Let me see. H and I is what we got to work with. And we want to know services received. Um, okay. I guess. Um, it's okay. I'm helping. I'm helping. I can get yeah, no, do it. it. Yeah, let's okay. see. So if we, like, I guess you could sort it and then. Yeah. Right? And like. How many cells is that? <laughs> That's a, a good workaround. Um, if, if I you don't know pivot to tables. No, that's a that's a, a good 
that's probably what I would have done first too but Daryl showed me how to do pivot tables recently so I need I need Daryl more Daryl in my life apparently um okay so who things that nobody has ever said for 200 Alex (laughs) (laughs) all right let's see so females if you go back to the intake data tab all right and Daryl taught me so (laughs) yeah what do you got so um go to the insert um uh tab in the ribbon oh okay okay and then um, click on pivot table daryl do you have to highlight first yes i'm letting you i'm letting you guys do it okay uh okay so i i would highlight the whole thing um Uh, I would highlight actually if you click next to last name where you're able to highlight the whole table, that triangle. Oh, gotcha. Keep going just to highlight the whole, yeah, the whole sheet. All right. Um, Then under pivot table, uh, do from table or range and everything selected. Um, I would go to a new tab. So to click new worksheet and then hit OK. And then um, under pivot table fields, that's where you can check off what you would like in the table. And this is the part like I, I, I'm not a pivot table expert, but this is where I have to play around the, yeah. the most. So it said we needed um, gender identity, marital status and the services that they received. The services received. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Okay. And then um, now, now you have to. It says drag fields between areas below. Um, you have to separate um, what you want in rows and columns. Maybe Daryl, this is where you can help because this took me a minute to figure out um, when I was playing with it. Yeah. Sure. So, again, our question is asking about comparing services received by clients to their gender identity and marital status. So, so we, oh, go so ahead. Service, services in the column. And the, okay, oh, sorry. I tried to help. <laughs> oh, my God, what I do? Oh, I did it. I was right. I can't see everything. So what we want to try is to actually get um, a count of each uh, gender identity. So let's drag over gender identity into our values. Our values column will actually give us a count. Um, and you can see that when you drag it over, it actually changes it to count of gender identity. Um, so you can see um, divorced, married, single, widowed. Um, so we have services received in the columns, marital status in the rows. Um, 
and we can certainly do that. I would. Um, so we also need to look at gender identity again as far as the actual responses uh, for each category. So scroll back up in your fields. Yeah. And click mm -hmm. on gen and hold and highlight gender identity and drag it back down into the rows. Because you can bring stuff in in more than once. Oh, okay. So this will show you that. Oh. Yep, you've got uh, 12 females who received educational oh, classes, okay. three of whom were divorced, one was married, four were single, four were widowed. Okay. Mm. And like Tracy said, you can you can play with it to see how it shows up best, um, or what's easier for you to read. Um, one of the first things I would do as well, if you scroll back to the top, is you see the little down arrows beside your labels. You can click on those and get rid of things you don't need. Um, oh. I would unclick blank. Um, you certainly don't need the blanks and just hit OK. Mm -hmm. And then you could do the same thing for column. Because everybody answered, so that cleans it up a little bit. Okay. One of the other things that I do to help separate my data is yeah. highlight everything in the in the this new table. So highlight from A4 all the way to G19. Okay. Uh, go back to your home tab up top, and you're under the font where you have borders, right next to the highlight. I like to click on Show All Borders. To me, that shows up better. It makes each individual data entry pop a little more. Um, if something else works for you, by all means do it, but this is what works for me. So if we go back to the question, which asks, we want to compare services received by a client to their gender identity and marital status. Create a pivot table that will show analysis of this data. So does this pivot table that we've created answer that question? Yes, and then some. I would agree. Okay. I think it does as well. Um, the second part of that would be um, we would want to show a visual visual representation uh, depicting females who received rent and or utility assistance. So how could we create some sort of visualization of females who have gotten the service uh, of rent or utility help? Um, highlighted. <laughs> I mean, you can, yeah, I yeah. don't know. I mean, you could, or you could just hide, like, hide it all, all the rest of the stuff, and then just add those up. You're, you're on the right track. So we kind of already did it with the blanks, but we can change our row and column labels to mm -hmm. only show what we want to do. So if you go into row, row labels again. And unclick everything that's not female. Okay. And then go into our column labels. You'll have to scroll back up to make it. Yep. And we're interested in seeing utility services and rental services. So you can unclick everything except those. Oh, there we go. Oh, this is cool. There you go. So you've isolated the data that you're looking for. And now you can create a visual representation of that. So um, go into uh, click on insert in your top ribbon 
and hover over or click on recommended charts. Sometimes Excel is pretty good at showing you um, what would be the best type of chart to use. So click on that. Oh, right, you have to highlight. Sorry. <laughs> there you go. So if that looks like something we could work with, you can, yeah, you can click OK. And then we can see by female um, and their marital status, what sort of assistance they received. If if there were rental assistance or utility assistance, so it looks like um, nine divorced females received utility assistance, one married female, and three single females. And it looks like the only female that received uh, oh, the only three females uh, receiving rental assistance were single. Um, and then we can get in an entirely different conversation about manipulating charts and, and graphs. Um, we could make this go horizontally and not vertically. We could change the colors. We can add titles. There's a lot of different things we can do to that if we want to visualize it. But that's how you do it. Um, did that make sense to everyone? Everything seemed logical and yeah. Um, Tracy, you did an excellent job. The only thing I typically do different um, is Excel can be weird in pulling data from non-conjoining columns. So we had we had marital status and gender identity together, but the services received were, were way down the line. Um, so you could either drag that over to make them next to each other, which would make it easier to um, export into a pivot table, or you could copy and paste it into a new worksheet where all three were there, and mm -hmm. then do a pivot table just there. Um, okay. But sometimes it can be hard to do pivot tables with data um, that's not next to each other, and that way it may not be quite quite as clunky with the other columns. Mm -hmm. But you, but then again, you may be doing five different applications which require you to look at multiple columns. So you could create a pivot table for this. And then if you were looking at a pivot table with date of birth and um, dollar amounts, you could click on those. So in some in some ways, your way is easier as well. So good job, guys. This is good teamwork. Pivot tables are always difficult. Uh, we will have another pivot table in the um, in the practice answers as well. So we'll hit on this again and then we can focus on it a little more if we need to as well. Um, question two is going to be using our evaluative data tab. And this was asking uh, utilizing the information that we gathered on changes in attitudes, uh, pre experience versus post experience. How would you describe these results to your stakeholders? So this gets into um, describing reporting results um, and analysis of results of your data. Um, so I'm going to share my screen again and sort of show you. Drag this back over. I said, let me drag this back over. Thank you. So uh, this question is looking at our evaluative data tab and we're looking at how attitudes changed 
pre-experience, post-experience. So our uh, pre-experience assessment had five questions. Um, seeing the symptoms of mental illness is separate from the person who has the illness. I uh, do not believe mental illness is anyone's fault. Individuals have a right to an obligation and to actively engage and question their treatment provider. I have little in common with people who suffer from mental health conditions, and I believe that recovery from mental health is possible. Um, so each of those five questions were scored on a Likert scale, which is like a general scale of one to five or one to ten. Um, typically, one will be strong on one end of things, five will be strong on the other end of things, and three will be sort of neutral or in the middle. Um, so in this case, um, strongly disagree with this statement would be a one, strongly agree with this statement would be a five. Uh, so we can see how um, committed and passionate these individuals were before the program started. Now we want to look at things after the program has ended to see if the program made any significant impact on attitudes surrounding mental health. So we ask the same questions, which has the same scale, and then we see what their answers are. So when we first went through the proxy data set uh, in person, we took a look at how things changed over time. So pre-experience for question one, we had seven individuals indicate they strongly agreed, seven agreed, so on and so forth. Uh, we see that each of the responses had 23 um, answers, so everyone responded to each question. Um, and then you can see what percentage of that was positive. And for our purposes, we indicate positive as anything above that neutral scale. So either strongly agree or agree would be considered a positive answer. So for question one, which again asks, I see the symptoms of mental illness as separate from the person who has the illness. Um, seven and seven answered either strongly agree or agree, which is 14 out of 23, which is 60.87% of people um, have a positive response as to whether a person's mental illness is separated from their actual value as a person, uh, which is good. Um, so question two, three, four, and five. Um, so then we look at the same thing post-experience, and we see that for question one, we had 14 and six answer positive, which is 20 out of 23 people, which is a percentage of 86.96. Um, so we see that a much higher percentage of individuals answered positively from before their experience with the program or the service or whatever the event is that you're tracking to after the event um, and so on and so forth through the five questions. So then we look at percentage change, which is basically taking the new percentage versus the old percentage. Um, so we see that um, people that responded were 42, almost 43% more likely to return a positive response to question one, um, nearly 40% for question two, uh, almost 28% for question three. Question four is kind of an outlier, and we'll get back to that. Uh, question five was 50%. So um, people were more than half as likely to answer positive when asked 
if they believe that recovery from mental illness is possible. Um, that's pretty significant. That shows a pretty good change in attitudes um, over time from the beginning of the program to the end of the program. So then the next question would be, is how do you describe that? Um, I took a few notes and I will make sure to copy and paste this uh, in the chat. Um, and I'll do that now. Copy. Maximize chat. So these are some tips on presenting results or outcomes. Um, this goes back to writing um, reports and analyses in school and things like that. The reason you might have to do this is as part of a grant application. Uh, when you're justifying your program, you want to show statistical results of how uh, the outcomes of that program are effective or ineffective. Um, if if you're looking at changing the program to a better model, you may want to show that our projected results uh, weren't as good this way, so we want to do it this way. So some of the things that you want to do when you're describing um, statistical changes is uh, to include an introductory context. You want to let people know what you're reporting and why. You know, is, is it for a grant um, or are you just reporting on an existing grant or to your board or the board of supervisors or whoever it might be? Um, the next tip would be writing in an impartial and academic tone. Um, you don't want it to be skewed with with your personal take or emotions involved with it. Let the numbers speak for themselves. Um, there are numbers for a reason. This is why we believe in science. Um, this shows what happened. We can't manipulate it to fit our narrative um, within reason. I mean, there's ways to to help yourself with this, but numbers don't lie. Um, the next thing is you want to be able to establish key findings or statistical relevance in your data. So if we go back and look at our um, our percentage change, we see that four out of our five categories had more than 25% positive change pre and post test. So we can we can with confidence say that there was statistical significance to um, these outcomes being manipulated by the program. Um, for instance, you could say something like um, participants were uh, much more likely and include in parentheses 60.87% um, to 86.96% more likely to respond positively or favorably when asked question one, which again was seeing the symptoms of mental illness is separate from the person who has the illness. Um, so that is in an impartial tone. It's in an academic tone. It uses numbers. It's direct and it's to the point. Um, that's a good way to discuss um, your results. Um, another thing is, and we kind of touched on this a little bit, don't gloss over poor results. Um, the results are the results. They are what they are. If there's room for opportunity um, when you're reporting on a program, mention that, you know, uh, maybe this will be cause for more funding 
in the future. Uh, maybe it's an opportunity to seek different types of funding or to look at the model for your program and adjust it to um, maybe seek better results. Um, so you can't just ignore sweep negative results under the rug. They're there for a reason. Uh, and if you're interested in the overall validity and long term efficacy of your program, you have to report on it. Um, and the final thing is be sure to summarize key findings. So it's always good when you're reporting results like this, you start off with an introduction of what you're doing and why you're doing it, and then end by basically restating the same thing. Uh, this is what we were looking to find. This is what we found. This is what we intend to do with it. And those are some some simple ways to analyze your your results. That was a lot of jargon and a lot of text. So what questions do you have? What would you like me to clear up for you? And this was a good time for Megan to step back in because this is her wheelhouse. Nothing. Tracy, you don't have any questions. <laughs> I um, did it a little differently than you and my percent change is different. Um, so uh, I don't know if um, like. Is now a good time to like ask that type of question? Sure. So should I? share my screen or you can share your screen or I have my formulas typed in here so you can see if they're the same as yours so for question one uh, we summed up the total of C27 and C28 which mm -hmm. are which are the two positive answers for this question so seven and seven um, and then we divided that by C32 uh, which is our total. So basically 14 yeah. divided by 30, uh, 23 gives us 60.87%. Those are the same, but when I went to show change, I okay. just subtracted um, the post-experience from the pre-experience and your okay. uh, formulas, like for question one, two, and three, yes. like I have 26 0.09% for question one because I had 80, right. yeah. So that, that shows you the difference in the mm -hmm. positive answers. It doesn't show you the percentage change. So if you look at my formula here, so when we're looking at percentage change, we're mm -hmm. looking for um, the 86.96 and then um, excuse me, J27, yeah. So J33, which is our 86.96, mm -hmm. minus C33, which was your pre-assessment. So that's your 26%. Oh. But then you have to re-divide that by the original number. That, that gives you the actual percentage of change. Okay. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah. So if I wanted to... I like have to do it. So uh, wait, can you click on? Oh, you are clicked on the first one. Yeah. Can you see it? Uh huh. So. Um, so you're taking the sum of your post assessment for question mm -hmm. number one, subtracting your pre assessment for question number one, 
and then dividing whatever that total is by the pre-assessment number. Okay. So that shows you the percent change from your pre-assessment to the post-assessment. And then you just divide by or multiply by 100 to get the actual percentage number. We can talk about that more. <laughs> no, that was helpful because I just yeah. did the difference and then. Um, yep. Yeah. So that and that's that's a way to report it. Um, you mm -hmm. can certainly say uh, when you're describing this that. Um, percent positive responses for question one uh, were 26.09 percent higher uh, post yeah. experience versus pre-experience. Um, percentage percent change just gives you a little more oomph behind it. Mm -hmm. um, it. It shows that 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 sort of multiplying factor of of good answers existed there and, and it, it might demonstrate uh, more statistical significance to somebody that's reading it. Okay. Maybe. Depends on your audience. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Um, but no, while I have this up, I want to look at this um, negative here. And I'm trying to remember what question that was. Let me go back into my... The fourth one, it said, I have little in common with people who suffer from mental health conditions. Yeah. So we see here that... We have a lot of positive responses for these questions pre and post experience, but question number four, for some reason, is really negative. So question number four was, I have little in common with people who suffer from mental health conditions. Um, anybody have any idea why that's so remarkably different? Because that's good. They learn that they don't have differences. Yeah, that's right. So the other four questions here were worded in such a way as to where the positive response was a five um, or the most positive response. In this case, with question four, the most positive response would have been a one. Um, so that is the opposite. That's one thing you need to be careful of if you use Likert scales or similar things to uh, to analyze. Uh, you want to make sure that your questions are worded the same way, or if you don't, if you want to ensure that people are reading through the questions and understand, you'll have to be familiar with the term reverse coding. Um, so reverse coding is when you have a response or a question that is opposite uh, in the way that the answer is intended, like we are looking at here, where in the other four questions, five is the best response, but in this one, one is the uh, best response. So to better show how question four changed, I did a little bit of work with that. So we have our pre-experience uh, and our post-experience numbers here. I have little in common with people who suffer from mental health conditions. So we have a bunch of fours and fives. Overall, we had uh, a significant number of what we would call positive results. So what we do to get that how we want it is we take um, we take one more than the total number of, of points on our Likert scale, which in this case is five. The answer is one to five. So we take six and then we subtract that number from what our result was. 
So for this case, um, we're taking 6 minus O2, which was our original response here, which was a 1. So um, customer number 300, when answering the question, indicated a 1. Uh, I have a little in common with people who suffer from mental health conditions. They strongly disagreed, which is a good thing. So in this case, if we if we indicate that change by doing the six minus this answer, we get a five, which now tells us that this is the best answer we wanted. So it's just a little simple calculation to get you to where your answers match up. Does that make sense? It can be a little. This was always difficult for me to catch too. Um, but it's a simple way for you to reverse that coding. And if if you're good with uh, things like SPSS, there there are different ways to do this in there. I believe um, I usually mentally block SPSS, so uh, so I don't think about it as often. But um, but if you look at it, it shows just the opposite. Uh, Pre-assessment, our answers were 60, almost 61% positive. 61% um, of the people felt like they had most things in common with people with mental illnesses or very much so uh, after the assessment. Um, they were 82.5% positive. So, Tracy, here's a good chance. You want to do percent change on this? Sure. I was actually just practicing. <laughs> that's what i was doing so um, we have our, we have our percent positives here pre and post mm -hmm. so how how would we determine percent change um so you do the equals the sum of j 60 the, the 13 and the 6 i can't yep. see the column yep uh minus the sum of the ones on i Okay. Oh, close your friends first. Okay. So I, I did equals sum. Um, okay, and then do minus sum of. So do minus. And then sum, sum again. Okay. Yeah. Um, the I ones. But you already did that. You're, you're making it a little more complicated than it needs to be. Oh. So you have you have what you need. You're taking mm -hmm. the difference between the post-assessment and the pre-assessment. But you oh, want to calculate okay. the change from the pre-assessment. So you're going to divide that by the original number, which is the 60%. Okay. I didn't see that. Yeah. And then you'll multiply that by 100 so you get a percentage. Okay. Okay. So now it shows we had a 35 and three quarters percent percent increase in positive responses post assessment versus pre assessment, which is a lot better than we were looking at up there. Does that make sense? Yeah. To everyone? Okay. Math is so much fun, isn't it? Um, so that actually gets us through question four. So we'll jump back to question three. 
which asks, I said, which asks. So we're creating a function that will help calculate how people found out about the program. And this will be done through our satisfaction survey data tab. So we'll go back over to satisfaction survey. And we're looking at how people heard about the program, which is question eight. Um, so it looks like the options for um, how individuals found out about the program were through a referral from another organization, through the internet, through word of mouth, uh, or through social media. So without me scrolling to the bottom and giving you my answer, how might you do that? Courtney, do you want to share your screen again? <laughs> All right. Okay. So, uh, so it's. We can't see your screen. Oh, you can't? Um, Not yet. Here we go. How's that? Yep, now yep. we can. Okay. Um, I feel like my brain is broken. All right, so we want to know. I don't know, because you're going to have, like, such an awesome way to do this, Daryl. No, we've already done this, like, five times. So refer back to your notes and what we've talked about. How would you, how would you show the numbers of which people found out about the program from which source? Um, I'm feeling like a pivot table might be good. <laughs> well, we're only looking at one column, so no. we don't necessarily need a pivot table. Um, how many people have found out about the program? Help her out, Judy. Yeah, do it, um, Judy. What? I would say, can you scroll down so I can see the answers? No, <laughs> that's cheating. <laughs> the question, you mean the question selections? You're doing it. <laughs> um, so if it's not blank, no. Everybody, yeah, everybody, can... everybody found out about the program. From some reason. Yep. Somehow yeah. they did. Yep. Yeah. So. You just want to do the count. Um, ah, equal so we'll do a count. Yeah. And we want to know. Well, I, I oh, wouldn't create yeah. a function. I would just look at it. But, um, <laughs> I'm with you, right? But it is <laughs> small. But um, if it was like a lot, that wouldn't work. Um, so it's the first thing we did. So look back at the. It's one of the first things we did. So we just have to look at the. The. Uh, so I note. pasted the answer choices for you in a chat. If that's helpful. So those are all everything that they could have selected. Hmm. Oh, maybe I should. But that that as long as it's not blank. So you, what you want to do is equal count if 
Yeah, that guy. Okay. Um, it has a value, right? Help me. Okay. Well, if you're, you're on the right track. And then, so say you wanted to um, hear from everybody who heard about us at all. <laughs> yeah, or heard heard about you through email. We want to see if your emails are effective. Okay, okay. that's different. Okay. So that would be your your range first, right? Mm -hmm. You have to do yep. 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 Copy it all. Good. And then the word email. Comma. With a comma. Yep. Running. Parentheses. Yeah. Not yet. Um, And we said email. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then parentheses. Woohoo! <laughs> now yeah. look down, see if it's right. Yeah. <laughs> look down the list and see if you find four that say email. One. Oh, I saw one. Two, three, four. four. Let's make sure that, because what if somebody spelled email wrong? Yeah, I think four, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, th- there's a way to check that. Um, this is why you may want to use a formula, because if you scroll down through a list that has 200 entries, my eyes are going to miss like four emails. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get this lazy eye over here, and this one's going to be looking out the window, and I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to know what I'm doing. So, um, okay. So. Okay. But, Daryl, can you tell us how to actually answer the first question which wasn't about email it was just count if what well the answer to the question is just doing this multiple times so you're going to do a count if for each of the ways that the program was referred so you'll do oh. a, you'll do a count if for email you'll do a count if for internet you'll do a count if for referral from another organization one for word of mouth and one for right. social media so when you do all of those, and I will share my screen again so we can kind of skip ahead. So if we skip ahead, we see that we did a count if for all of these, and I didn't do email for some reason. So equals count if. Tab. No, not tab. And we'll do. I do wrong now. Is there an option to get it to figure out how many different things you have in column Q and to get it to do this for you? Like to put a like a like a table or something that has all the ways in which they could have heard about you and then the number of people that heard each way, or is it just you gotta do this manually? No. I think I can answer it. You could do a pivot table that has the one column, yeah. 
It would be like the services. Remember the, when we did the gender identity yeah. and it had the services? You could do it like that. I did a pivot table in my <laughs> answer. <laughs> so we have four. So let's just quickly put a box around that. So we'll quickly do a sum of all these 85. So this says we got 85 different answers. So if we copy back up to the top without including the actual question, it'll show us a count here of 85. So we got the correct amount. That's how you can double check and make sure you got everything. Does that make sense? Yep. So we can do it here. And we created this nice little graph. Or you could Oh, there you go. So, Courtney, you saying that was easier to do it this way? Um, I don't know, easier, just another way. I think it was pretty easy. Yeah, yeah that was. I like yeah. that. I mean, it looks well, pretty too. Once you get once <laughs> you get more comfortable with with pivot tables, yeah, I think I think this is easier and it's prettier and you can make this into a graph you can do other things you could add different data in there if you wanted to cross analyze things so that's a very good point that you made uh to use a pivot table you got me stuck on those now i'm gonna go play with these when i get off this <laughs> well that's the whole point <laughs> that that means next time you'll actually do your homework huh you got it yeah <laughs> I'm going to go play the, with my homework again. Courtney, you can give the next workshop. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, All we're right. going to pay this forward. Yeah. <laughs> um, so those are the questions. Now I want to talk about uh, how this applies to your data. How can we how can we utilize some of these skills that we've talked about in cleaning your data and manipulating your data into what you're doing? So this is your turn to ask us questions. So I have a problem. Okay. I opened mine to see if I could do it the way you guys do it. And I don't see where it says the little drop down for create pivot table on mine. Can you show me that again? Yep. Um, I have to share my screen again. Sorry. Nope, it's all good. So pivot table would be under insert. Pivot table. Uh-huh. Okay. Let me. Do you know yeah, which sorry. version of Office? Yeah. Oh, it is there? Yeah, okay. it's there. It just I'm not always. And if you so for instance, if we just have column Q copied here, if you click on recommended pivot tables. It can pull that stuff up for you. So 
if you double click this, it pretty much pulls up what we already did. So it's even it's an even shorter, shorter cut. How did uh, you do that? All right. So we have column Q, which has the means of referral yeah. highlighted. So instead of clicking on pivot table, we can go to what Excel would recommend as your pivot table. Okay. And it gives you six different options. Uh, we can do some. We can do, which is probably, some of these aren't going to be the correct information, but it's what we get. So this is, this is looking at timestamps. So again, um, this is not what we're looking for. It's one of those things you can kind of play around with, but um, the top one under recommended pivot tables, the one that Excel likes the most is exactly the one that we created. Okay. So it splits up each of the five options, gives us a count and then a total. So you may be able to find one that saves you some more time. So I'm going to highlight the whole thing. Go up to insert recommended pivot tables and see what it says. You highlighted the entire table? Yep. So with that much with that much data, it may not have a recommendation because there's a lot did. of stuff. Oh, it did. It wanted to know sum of service dollars received by gender. That's what it that was one of the recommended. Okay. It was interesting. I don't know that we'd need that, but still. But yeah, that's that's some of the things you can play around with. That's Thank interesting. You. Yeah. What else we got? Oh, yeah, it, it does have uh, zip codes by veteran status, uh, sum of number of household under 18 by marital status. We'll hope if you're under 18, you're not married. But. Oh. <laughs> sum of monthly household income by gender. Yeah, that might be useful. Sum of monthly household income by employment status. And then demographics. There's a lot of different ways to do it. Oh, you could have saved like an hour if you just showed us that first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I get paid by the hour, so... (laughs) That's great. All right, so what's our next steps? Tracy? Well, I think um, we'll post this recording. And if you think of any questions, I'll answer it the best I can, but I'll probably also uh, nudge Daryl. But um, there will be a series summary coming out with all of the files uh, from the data management series and all of the recordings as well as from the grants management series in the fall um so that'll be coming out this summer um and then we also have some um funding alerts that are monthly um uh, the first one the july edition of the funding alerts will be coming out this week so as we look at services for next year, we'll probably continue these 
um, capacity building professional developments along with funding alerts to help you build capacity and diversify um, your funding. So um, yeah, but for next steps for this, look for a summary with all of the resources in one place, kind of like a, a uh, an email out to everybody. And then, um, uh, and, and there will also be a, a survey that goes out uh, about what you want to see uh, for the next, uh, the next set of these. Um, Megan, I think Megan might, I'm not sure if she's here because her microphone is off, but I'll give, oh, she's typing. She's typing. <laughs> okay. Um, so I, I think we can end at this point and then look for uh, more emails from us and we'll kind of sum up all of the, the resources for you. I still see her cursor going, I'm like staring at the chat. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, if anyone has any questions, feel free to reach out, reach out to me as well. Um, I'm happy to help as much as I can. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. I'll stop there. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. I'm a martyr now. <laughs> <laughs>